This is TNT Sports Podcast. QT Ski, LK. Let's go. TNT, we back. Logging in to see that. Wins and losses, crazy crosses, holding one. Talking golf and rolling one. Got me coughing every weekend, so it's often. And I'm dropping every week. Name the topic we can speak. From the Rockets to the Heat. Well, the Rockets to the net. Slick, weird, big beard. On my James Harden flex. No one came as hard as this. Watch me shine and sharpen it. I depart like marking this. TNT, that's a T with a hyphen. ENT, if you're typing, seeing me, that's unlikely. Shout my and we do it just like Next to the Max, like I'm Stephen A. Tag me in your subject. TikTok, Facebook, Graham, or Twitter page. Tell me who you loving. Big discussions for you, sport or house. Jackie Moon Tropics. What they like? Oakland straight 30 bobbing. Tommy Brady pockets. Who had grunk up in the party? Toss Lombardi, get it started. Mardi Gras Mike can't be guarded. My new spicy like New Orleans weather. Local national form, we get it. Working yeah, overtime, cafe, do mine with the coverage. I'm on you at no the line. No one came as hard as this. Watch me shine and sharpen it. Okay. I depart like marking this. TNT, we back. Logging in to see that. Wins and losses, crazy crosses, holding one. Talking golf and rolling one. Got me coughing every weekend, so it's often. And I'm dropping every week. Lane the topic, we just Tune into TENT Sports Podcast with Terrence Bennett. Sports all day, every day. Bring it in now. Let's get it. Get it. Good morning. This is TNT Sports Podcast episode number one thirty-five. And this morning, I have a, a, a legend. I think I would say, man, a big part of the Alabama State faculty. Uh, I got Dr. Howard Robinson on the podcast with me this morning. Dr. Rob, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Can you tell people a little bit about yourself if they don't know you? Okay. I um, I, I graduated from Alabama State. I uh, have a PhD in history I'm from the University of Akron in Akron, Ohio. And I went to Georgia and Georgia at Savannah, at Armstrong Atlantic in Savannah and then returned back to Alabama State to teach history. And, and I work in the, and now work in the library in the, Associate Library Director for Archives and Cultural Heritage Services. And, um, and I work with the entity on campus called the National Center for the Study of Civil Rights and African American Culture. Um, and I've, I've done research and written on, on civil rights, um, student activism, um, black community. So those are some of my areas of, of, of interest. Okay. So I felt it was right to get you on because it's almost the beginning. It's pre-recorded, so it's always about to be the beginning of Black History Month. Uh, so you play a big part in that, especially in Montgomery. Uh, like I said, we'll get into the College Hill stuff as well. But uh, just starting out, you know, like I said, it's the beginning of Black History Month. It's pre-recorded. What is Black History to you? Well, I think that the, the idea of having a, a, a month dedicated to Black History or African American History. Um, grows out of sort of a larger 
not only a, a phenomenon in the United States, but also sort of worldwide, where people of African descent, they, the, the justification for enslavement, exploitation, white supremacy was the idea that black people had not contributed in any significant way to world history. And so you had a number of people really push back against that. Um, one of the more important ones was in, in the United States was a, a Carter G. Woodson, yeah. who was a PhD um, historian. Uh, but he created an entity called the, the, um, the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, which is now the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History. And really, it's, it, it was an effort to, to peel back the layers of history and to demonstrate and illustrate that, that black people played a critical role in, in all facets of the of, of world history. And, and, and then you see that play out in the United States in, in that um, this initiative really allows people, not only black people, but all people, to focus on the historic and the contributions that black people have made you know, in the United States, in their communities, but also um, worldwide. Okay, okay. That's cool. So what sparked your interest in the civil rights movement um, and black history? Because I know for me, I'm born and raised in Tri Alabama slash Pike County, Alabama, same place where Mr. Good Trouble himself, Senator John Lewis, was born and raised. <laughs> I always was interested in learning and talking about the civil rights movement. It was just something that I had a passion about. Uh, I felt it was important to know about about all that. So what sparked it for you? What gained your interest in it? Well, two things, several things one is, is I came to Alabama State in 1981 from, from Roosevelt of Long Island, New York. And um, as a freshman, I found myself in a really completely different environment. And really a place that people were reading about and studying about in terms of the civil rights movement. So, so I treated Montgomery in Alabama almost like a tourist at first. Yeah. You know, I visited the sites. And, and, and so it was really special to me to be in this space where a lot of, a lot of the local folks still take it for granted. Right. So I, 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 that, was, that was part of my my introduction. But the other part is when I had a friend of mine, a um, high school friend, who sent me a couple of books when we right were close to my graduation. And um, the, the, the Miseducation of, of the Negro by George James and Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams. And, um, and, and of, of course, um, the Autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. And so those books sort of tuned me into the, the black experience in a way that I hadn't been before. And really, you know, sort of launched me on uh, a, 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 a quest to sort of understand the black experience and to sort of peel back those layers of, uh, you know, of, of, of knowledge and history that, that, that are not easily accessible to, to people, but becoming more so. And so yeah. those are some of the things that, that sort of turned me on to, to history. And then being in, in Montgomery, Alabama, um, arguably the birthplace, birthplace of, the, of both the Confederacy and the Civil Rights Movement. Right. Um, and this is a historic city to, to be in. And so to, to sort of take in all that this environment um, entails and the people 
you know, to be able to meet and talk to the people who really played a, a role and participated in, in many historic events was really just just sort of invigorating for me. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of history done. Uh, on, you can pretty much go anywhere. You can touch on some type of history in Montgomery for sure. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm living in New Orleans now, so I like to bring my wife back home and let her see what's done, uh, man. Because a lot of people don't know about it, know a lot about it up here, so it's interesting to be able to tell people about it and show them, for right. sure. Right. Uh, let me ask you this. If you had the opportunity to sit down with a civil rights leader, who would they be and why? <laughs> well, okay, I have had the opportunity to sit down with a whole bunch of civil rights leaders. Um, working with the National Center, we, we made a commitment maybe like 20 years ago that we wanted to bring to Alabama State every living civil rights leader that we could engage. Yeah. And we went, we went about the process of doing that. So I got to sit and talk to a bunch of folks. Um, the people I hadn't talked to would be, um, um, would be, Probably Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Yeah, they, they um, could be dead. Maybe, or, maybe even maybe W.E.B. Du Bois too. Yeah, they could be dead or alive. Just anybody that you. Yes, yes, yes. Those those figures, um, those 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 are some powerful figures in, in the American in the world experience. And um, growing up, my my idol was was Malcolm X, right. and so uh, to get to be here in in Montgomery. I, you know, I really got to understand more intimately the tenacity of nonviolent resistance, the, the, the discipline of nonviolent resistance, and the effectiveness that it was employed, you know, to effectuate change. So I, I grew in a different type of respect for the for the for the, um, the soldiers of the civil rights movement. Okay. Ooh, I think for me. If I could sit down with somebody, talk to them dead or alive, it'd definitely be Dr. King for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Mega Evers. So it's a lot of them. Definitely Malcolm X. But definitely a lot of them for sure. Yes. Um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah it, well, and in, in, in I remember as a, as a student at Alabama State, I had a professor who, who made us go to, to hear Edie Nixon. Mm -hmm. And and I went to the Silver Glass Auditorium, and I, I listened to Edie Nixon. And what struck me was how good he was, you know. So I later studying Edie Nixon, and then we we have the Edie Nixon collection at at Alabama State University in the in the archives. But studying him and his contributions, I was like, wow, this is a powerful man. He plays such an important role, but he didn't really appreciate. Um, well, he didn't feel appreciated, and so I, I, I that, that that struck me um, as I as I was able to 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 sort of be exposed to him really in my college years, and so later on, I, I as I met people who participated in different facets of the movement, you know, I sort of measured them against that, and a lot of a lot of times. People, I did get to see people and talk to people who understood, who came to understand how critical and important the roles that they played in, in sort of transforming this nation. And so we have a, a, a whole sort of, sort of like a, a, a room at Alabama State with, that's, that has been designed by, our, by an exhibit firm that highlights the life and contributions of Edie Nixon. Yeah. And so we do pay homage to that brother. 
and um, and and we try to celebrate, uh, you know, a lot of the people who who put their lives on the line, and some of whom, um, you know, died in the quest for black liberation. Yeah. Ooh. And, you know, I, I, another person, um, a Reverend Richard Boone worked with uh, when I was, I mean, while I was at Alabama State working with the National Center. Um, we we were assisted by Reverend Richard Boone. He's, he's a, he went to Alabama State, was a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, um, SNCC. Um, he was a member of the SCLC, King's Organization, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Um, but he was a really powerful figure in the, in the civil rights movement throughout Alabama. And, 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 that, and that, was, that was, you know, you talk about who would I like to sit down with. I really cherish... Um, he's deceased now, but I really cherish the, the, really the years that I got to work alongside him. And we talked about, right, you know, in, in real in real detail and real in a real nuanced way. We talked about um, the, the personalities and the events and the, and the and the confrontations and the triumphs, and, and I got to really see um, the, the the movement through the eyes of an activist. And, and so that was that was a, um, a a particularly rewarding experience. So you think, you know, maybe like, you think like I talked about some of the giants that I would like to have sat down with. But I really, I really am, am I feel rewarded and blessed that I got to sit down with a brother like 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 Richard Boone. Yeah. You know, and and so sometimes it's those people that you don't ordinarily hear about and you sit down and get to talk to them and really intimately understand their life that that is, is, is you find so rewarding okay okay so and going back to the history of montgomery alabama so montgomery alabama is the civil rights movement in my eyes uh, how how important is it to be taught uh, how is it be taught um to younger kids younger people uh, because sometimes i feel like people forgot the sacrifices the great people made for us to be where we are today, you know, Bloody Sunday would just name one of them. I look back at the sacrifices that these great people made, and they keep me grounded, and uh, I want to live the right way. And so, how what was the, you think it's important for the younger people to know? Because I think a lot of people don't even know about that what they sacrificed for us. And I just look back at it, and it, it made me stay grounded. I, I think they have a they have an idea about it. They they sort of heard about it. Um, and which is disappointing um, in a sense, but, but you know, Montgomery is, is such a powerful place, and and so so I I have I wrote my thesis on a neighborhood in Montgomery, Centennial neighborhood, and then I wrote my dissertation on the impact of desegregation in, in Montgomery. So that allowed me over years to really study Montgomery in a real nuanced way. And then over the years, because I was the architect at Alabama State for know, 14, 15 years, part of what we did was we had an old history project. So we tried to capture the, 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 um, the stories of, of these everyday soldiers and activists. And so, and I don't know, maybe I talked to 200 of these folks over the years and, and captured their stories. And, and so, and then you get to understand really how critical uh, Montgomery is when you look at, you know, the freedom riders came through 
Well, I mean, there's a freedom ride museum. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at um, uh, King Parsonage, you look at uh, uh, Selma Montgomery's Interpretive Center at, at, on the campus of Alabama State, you look at um, the, the state capitol, and the, that's the culminating location for the Selma to Montgomery March, or the, or the city of St. Jude is the, the last campsite on the, on the, on the Selma to Montgomery March, or the historic trail. Um, you know, so there's these, all of these, they're not to mention what EJI is doing, which is, they're, they're, they're the real juggernaut um, in, in Montgomery, and, and you know, they, they, I think they bring up with 500,000 people to the city a year to engage in, in, in their um, critical examination of the American experience. And so, so Montgomery is just a powerful place. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and you, you just have to kind of walk the city and, you know, read the markers and, and, and just, you know, take advantage of some of the tours and, and really immerse yourself in, in, in this, this space. Right. Um, and, and so we owe it to, to the larger population, when I say we, those people who have, who have, who have been um, entrusted with this story. You know, we owe it to folks to, to popularize it. And, and if, if young people don't know as, as much as they should, it's our fault, you right. know. So, so, you know, thank God big brothers like you are doing the things you're doing, the National Center is doing their thing. Um, 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 Valda, Dr. Valda Montgomery and opened a pot house. Um, um, you know, so, so, so people are, are really doing a yeoman's job in, in, in trying to, and try to make sure that that story is told and retold. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. And speaking about the Freedom Rally, like you just said, let's talk about Dr. Richard Harris' house, uh, which was the home of Dr. Richard Harris Jr. and his wife Vera. He was the grandson of John W. Jones, Alabama State Senator during the Reconstruction. Harris was a captain with the famed 99th Squadron Tuskegee Airmen during World War II. A registered pharmacist, he owned and operated Dean Drug Store. In Montgomery, Montgomery's oldest black drugstore, he was known to be the, be an ardent civil rights supporter. Between May 2020 20 through the 24, 1961, Dr. Harris opened their home to a group of 33 students from Nashville, Tennessee, who were challenged, challenging interstate bus segregation known as the Freedom Riders. This group, including John Lewis, was brutally attacked upon arrival in, his, in the historic Montgomery, Alabama, Greyhound bus and harassed by rioters. This house provided a safe harbor as well as a strategic meeting place. How do you feel how do you feel when you step foot in the Harris house and how important was the Harris house at that time? Oh my goodness. It was it you know it, it, it was the Harris house and Richard Harris. Yeah. Doc Harris in that and when I say that I mean that he was as important as his house was and they both were important. So the so the Eames Drugstore was a communication and transportation hub in, in, the, in the Montgomery bus boycott. Um, Richard Harris, and, and, and Richard Harris was the confidant of Martin Luther King. He lived in the house, yeah. Richard Harris' house is two doors down from the King Parsonage. Right. And so he opened up his house, and it's a large house when you go in it. It's, it's cavernous, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge house. And you go inside, and he, 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 he invited you know, um, the the really, if you think about it, those those young people who participated in the freedom rides in '61, 
the governor, had, you know, had had ordered their arrest, yeah. and so they were being pursued, and so he opened up their house. So they eventually, as they, as they scattered throughout the city, they really reconvened at the Harris house. Right. And and so there's these iconic pictures of the of the, of the, the entire leadership of the black direct action um, civil rights organizational infrastructure, you know, Martin Luther King, John Lewis, um, J- um, Jim, um, James Foreman of uh, the Congress of Racial Equality. And then so all of these folks are gathered in that house with all of the freedom riders who have been battered and beaten, and they plot their way forward. Um, and so that, and then you walk in that house, and, and as the, the Dean's drugstore had closed down, they moved all of the accoutrements, all of the components of that drugstore into the house. Mm-hmm. And so there's a pillbox, um, seats, there's a, there's a lunch counter, a grill, a old, you know, um, Coca-Cola um, um, freezer or refrigerator for drinks. It's all recreated in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's like stepping into a living museum. And, and, then, and then you could see the pictures um, and you could see those spaces where these events took place in that house. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, it's a, it's a powerful place to be. Um, and and, and I, I just applaud um, Dr. Montgomery, Valda Montgomery, who was the daughter of Richard Harris, for opening up the house and, and allowing people to visit. You know, I, I, when I taught classes at Alabama State, I used, to, I, used to, I used to teach my class. We used to teach, we used to have a lecture in the, in, 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 at the university, and then we held class in places like the Harris House. She would open up our house and let me have my classes in her house Man. because I wanted my students to experience being in that space. Man, that alone was an honor, honestly, just to be in that presence. Honestly. Yes, yes. Definitely. Now, speaking on the Harris House, where... Well, you took the, co- the cast of College Hill, though. so you were on the um, BET's College Hill Celebrity Edition in which you taught the cast who were Amber Rose, Jocelyn Hernandez, Tiffany, New York Pilot, Parker McKenna, Posey, Iman Shumpert, Quaylon, blaming on Quay Rogers, and Orion Browner, and Ray J. What was that class like, and how were they as students? Um, it, was, it, was, it was interesting, and they... <laughs> I, I was... I was in- that they took the whole enterprise seriously. Um, they they embraced what we were dealing with in the class, and, and, and like I teach regular civil rights classes, if you're going to teach a civil rights class in Montgomery, Alabama, you would be a fool to teach it in the classroom. So we, right. we had one class where we would do lecture in the classroom, and then, then, the, the, uh, and then two days we would go out to a different location um, in Montgomery, and so we went to a variety of locations and held classes, and those types of experiences, I, you know, the students couldn't help but be impacted by that, right. um, and by by what these spaces meant, particularly when we were able to give them some, you know, um, academic context for what happened in, in these spaces, and then for them to be in a slave quarters, for them to be at the Freedom Rider Museum, or be at the Harris House, um, you know, we went to the we went to the um, the that's the Avenue King Memorial yeah. Baptist. Not the, not just the church, but we went to the parsonage. Now we weren't able to negotiate to get in the parsonage, but we held that class outside and we talked about what we talked. About 
things um, is, is that King gets a sermon and he's talking about this epiphany or this conversation with God he has in that house sitting at the kitchen table. He talks about the phone rings. And so when you're in the house and you could look and see that phone, you could see the kitchen table he's talking about. And you could and you hear that sermon at the same time. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. You know, and so it's nothing like having these experiences and being in the spaces where they occurred. And that those students at College Hill had that experience. They were in the spaces. So they, they had they had a whole different sort of dynamic going on off campus or outside of my class. But in my class, I think they were engaged. So I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the energy they brought to the enterprise. And I think that they were um, enriched by the experience. Yeah, I saw they were they were very emotional. Cause like I, it'll do it to you. You go in there and see that man. You understand? It changed your whole your whole perspective on everything when you go in those places oh, like that. Certainly, yeah. and you know I, I wanted them to go to the, the, the slave quarters at of the old Alabama town, and I wanted them to go to EJI, the Legacy Museum, because to to, uh, to appreciate the civil rights movement, you had to understand the context. You know, you had to understand that. At, at one point, Montgomery was the most prolific slave trading city in the South, beyond Charleston and, 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 and New Orleans, yeah. which, had, which had, and even Washington, D.C., which was slave trading centers throughout the United States. Montgomery had arose to a point where there were more um, enslaved people being being bought and sold and trafficked, trafficked, trafficked in this city than any other place in the nation. And you, you have to understand that, yeah. you know. So we went down and we stood at at the, at the Artesian Well and talked about um, slave trading at, at in Montgomery. We stood next to the Rosa Parks statue at Court Square, you know. So so we integrated um, the class and the space into the dynamic of that class, that that, that experience. And I think I think that they were the better for it. For sure, for sure. Definitely, man. Like, yeah, it was a good. I mean, what you did for them, um, guy, I think it was dope. Cause a lot of people don't get to see that. So, um, right. like I said, anybody that I see that I know live up where I'm in New Orleans. Like I said, I tell everybody by home. It's an honor to be from Alabama, cause you know what, what we know down there. So, uh, I definitely try to introduce that to people that's not familiar with, it, and they change their whole perspective and stuff like that. Right. Um, I think a couple places I want to, I haven't been to yet that I want to go to. I want to go to Martin Luther King Bird House in Atlanta. I never got a chance to go yes. there. I want to go to the Ryan Motel. I never got a chance to go there yet either. There's a lot of places I want to go. I ain't been, but I'm going to make it happen. Um, but Alabama State, shout out to Alabama State, they had a lot to do with the civil rights movement as well. Can you share some things that they had that they had going on at Alabama State at the time during the civil rights movement? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would love to do that. Um, one, I think, you, I think you have to, well, one, you have to understand that, that, that you know, many of these historically black colleges were the center of, activism throughout the, the 50s and 60s and even before that there's a, there's a you know you start looking at the first sit-ins and you start you know you have to go back into the 40s that when students were sitting in at at, at different um hbcus um throughout the south so, but it really caught fire you know the sit-in movement i guess the student sit-in movement caught fire in, in 1960 but even before that with the with the, with the montgomery bus boycott alabama well, first of all Robinson, Professor Robinson, who was English professor at Alabama State, head of the Women's Political Council of Black Women.
women's political organization that, 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 that tried to instill an understanding of political process for young people and educated for um, recreational opportunities for young people and, and police officers, black police officers in, in Montgomery. They, they did a lot, but, but they were really at the forefront and spearheaded the effort and the, and the decision to boycott Montgomery buses. And, and the, the progenitor, the person who was really responsible for that was Professor Joanne Robinson, again, at Alabama State, the professor. And she got two of her students and drafted them to help her run off flyers announcing the bus boycott um, the night of Rosa Parks' arrest. She calls um, 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 Edie Nixon and, 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 and Fred Gray, attorney Fred Gray. So she's really pushing this idea of the bus boycott as leader of the Women's Political Council. And so um, they, and then, and then when she, after she calls Edie Nixon, he calls um, Martin Luther King and drafts Martin Luther King. So it's really these women at Alabama State who react to the arrest of, of, of Rosa Parks and, 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 and launch this, this bus boycott, really in reaction to um, several women. There were really four women even before Rosa Parks in the same year who were arrested violating the segregation ordinance. Right. And so these students were right there. They, they were with Joanne Robinson when she ran off these flyers. They were then at the epicenter of this, of the, the, the launching of the modern civil rights movement. And, and so they were, get, they were able to, to talk to Reverend Abernathy, who really his house right now is on campus, is the house he lived in, but at the time it was across the street from campus. Right. And Martin Luther King, you know, lived in their neighborhoods. Students lived in boarding houses across the street from King. And so these students were intimately involved in and, and were at, sitting at the feet of the, the people who were thinking about strategizing and, 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 and executing this bus boycott. And then those students, now imagine, you show up at Alabama State in 1956 as a freshman and you're exposed to this to fifty thousand people on the on the pages of, 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 of newspapers around the you know around the world and you're at the epicenter of that and and then four years later you know they had the opportunity um in the citizens to participate in their own campaign so alabama state students about 29 students go down to this county courthouse and sit in and demand service in the white only um lunch counter or, or cafe and, and and that just blows up you know yeah. um one of those students are expelled i mean 20, 20 year old students are placed on suspension nine are expelled um almost a dozen teachers are are, are dismissed um the president is dismissed and so and so that and, and there's there's a supreme court case that comes out of that that sit-in it's also uh, another uh, first amendment the case the New York Times versus Sullivan case that comes out of that sit-in. So, so these students are really at the epicenter of, of, of a campaign that has reverberations really to today. Those, the litigation that came out of that case impact the way we live today. One, the St. John Dixon versus Alabama. St. John Dixon was one of the sit-in students, Alabama State sit-in students. And they were dismissed. They were, I said they were expelled. Well, what was the reason they were expelled? Right. And what the court said was, you can't just expel students without giving them an opportunity to defend themselves, to have a to have a hearing. 
understand what the charges are. You know, so they said that that that, that schools could no longer act what they call in local screntis in the place of a parent. Schools had to extend rights to students. That comes out of the Alabama State Senate. That's a that's a precedent setting case. When you look at the rights of students today, people draw back to or look back to the St. John Dixon ruling. And then in, and then in the New York Times versus Sullivan case, it's a cornerstone First Amendment case. You know, so so the students played a, 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 a critical role. Then you see students involved in the, the Freedom Rides, um, the Selma to Montgomery March. We have a we have the National Park Service has built a museum on campus on Alabama State's campus, really because we argued that in Montgomery. In 1965, the story was a young people's story. It was a story of high school students, Alabama State College students, Tuskegee students, and students from all over the nation who descended on Montgomery to support um, the protest around voting rights. So Alabama State was critical. Um, that's just the students. We're not talking about um, um, Fred Shellsworth, who graduated from Alabama State and led the movement in, in, in Birmingham, or Ralph Abernathy graduates from Alabama State and takes over the Montgomery Improvement Association when, when, when King leaves, or then takes over the Southern Christian Leadership Conference when, when King is assassinated. You know, we're not talking about Fred Gray, who is probably one of the nation's most prolific civil rights attorneys graduating from Alabama State. Actually, all three of those men graduated the same year, 1951. And so, so, Montgomery, so Alabama State has a rich um, history as it relates to civil rights. Really, we call it the, 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 the university at the heart of the civil rights movement, and I think the, the, the moniker is well earned. Sure, for sure, definitely. Shout out to all the HBCUs out there. I'm glad, I'm glad I went to Alabama State. You know, just being, oh, yes. in, like, being in that presence, like it's just great to be, to be there. Even though from, I'm from Alabama, just being in that situation is great. Um, oh yes. One of my own favorite movies, I think, all the time is Selma Lord Selma. That's one of my favorite movies. I think it's for the Black history, um, and the way you know that they came together, had meetings in the church and stuff like that. And then I even go on YouTube, look back at the old videos when they marching together and stuff, and then singing and all this stuff. I always tell people how how us as a people came together in them days. So I always tell people if we had the same mindset that they had back then, I think we'll be a stronger population right now because. Those people stuck together and they fought together. Well, they didn't really fight, but I mean, but they they did everything together in one union. So I mean, it was just great to see that. And like I said, I, I go back and look at that stuff, and it just give me chills. Let me, let me let me say this. Let me say this so that we don't. We got to be careful about not romanticizing the past. So so one of the things that I understood from talking to a lot of these folks um, is that there was there were divisions. Class yeah. divisions, um, geographic divisions. People who lived on the west side, as opposed to people who lived on the east side. That stuff happened then. Yeah. Um, church divisions. Um, but, but to your point, and which is which, I think is so, so. So there were divisions. Okay. What was important, and what was really critical, and, and again to your point, is that they were able to fight back and beat back those differences. To, to, to deal around, um, you know, one particular issue, and it, I mean, it was tumultuous. They had they had detractors. They had black people who were who 
who were, you could look now in, in, in the records and see the black people who were um, at, spying on the movement, you know, mm-hmm. informants, right? And, and so, so and, and then some of the pastors who were trying to undermine King or, you know, and so there was, there was, it was not without having to deal with infighting within the black community, but they were able to overcome those internal obstacles to focus enough energy and enough pressure um, on the system to change it. Yeah. And I, I didn't know about the Emmett Till. I didn't know it was black people that helped, like, kill him. I didn't know that. Well, I, I don't, I don't I, 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 I'm not sure I know what you're talking about, but I, well, though, I mean, when I think about Emmett Till, when I, when I, when I heard, when I read, actually, that, that Emmett Till's uncle uh-huh. allowed these white men into his house yeah. to teach his nephew a lesson. Oh, okay, okay. That... That struck me, actually. Actually, it really, really struck me. Yeah. Because I had, I think my nephew might have been in Montgomery or coming to Montgomery, and I, I thought about, okay, you would have to kill me to get right, my right, right, out of right. this house. Um, and, and so psychologically, that had an impact on me. Um, so, so, yeah, it... it from my understanding of, of the scenario, it was it, it the part of black folks. And his, his his uncle, and his uncle probably would have had to die to, to protect his nephew. Right. I mean, and, and that's a hell of a decision to make. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, and, and you you could say a lot of things, and you could be all heroic, you know, you know, fifty years later, and and, and you know, but I I'd like to think that. That I wouldn't allow somebody yeah. to take my nephew out the house. Yeah, I hope that wasn't person. the case. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That be us. That would be. Ooh. Yeah, we'll leave that one alone because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's it's a tough one, you know. And, and 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 that's that's even like you know when I first came to Montgomery I, again, like I said, I was a. I was a Malcolm X acolyte, you know, that was my hero. Right, right. And, um, and, and then, but then being here and, 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 you know, not just reading about these folks, but talking to them, mm-hmm. like, and, 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 and really having intimate conversations. And, and I got to understand the real discipline and the real strength. To me, the strength, it, it would be easy to retaliate and hit somebody back. Right. The, the real strength, the real tenacity comes with saying there's a larger goal here and I'm going to sacrifice my pride, I'm going to sacrifice my body so that I could be a part of this nonviolent army and overcome this greater evil. That's a hell of a, you know, yeah. that's, a, that's a hell of a personality there. Right. You know, and, and, and even at the time, there were a lot of black people who couldn't do it. Like, I can't do it. Uh-huh. You know, but there were enough people who could and enough people who did that, you know, it really transformed, you know, it, it transformed this nation. But and I would dare say transform the world um, at Alabama State. And then, again, I told you, I work, we work with the National Center. Yeah. Um, and, and, and at the National Center, we get these we would used to get them all the time. But now they're starting to pick back up. We used to get these we get these visitors from 
from um, all over the world, and they come to Montgomery and they come to Alabama State really because they're interested in the the, the inner workings of the modern of the American civil rights movement. You know why? Because they have similar situations where they live. So we had a group maybe about two weeks ago from from uh, a, a group of from different Middle Eastern uh, Mediterranean countries, and they were dealing with their own issues of, of racism and, and 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 discrimination, and wanted to understand the strategies employed here in the United States by African Americans, and so. So you think about how, how you know how powerful that is that it has it, it's resonating it resonates throughout the world even you know a half century later. Right. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, man. But I mean, that's that's heavy. That's heavy. Um. So how long how long you been um in the Black History um uh, teaching Black History? Now, how long have you been spreading the word about Black History now? Oh my goodness! So I, I, I graduated. With, I graduated with my master's degree from Alabama State in ninety three, ninety four, and then I, I finished my with my PhD in in and so I started. I started teaching in Savannah, Georgia. You know, and I did local history in Savannah, Georgia. You know, I, I, I um, I, I worked on a, a, a local um, NAACP leader in Savannah, W. W. Law. I, I worked on. He, I worked on. I, I wrote a biographical um, treatment on him, and I, I um, he he donated his papers to. Of the city of Savannah, and I helped organize those papers. And um, but he sort of mentored me. Um, he, the, the, the university I, I, I got a job at, at in, in Savannah, he lobbied them to hire an African American professor, and they hired me. So so and he took me around Savannah and sort of um, gave me a, a a thorough explanation over the course of years about the, the history of Savannah and, and and the role of different people um, in, in, in its history. And so then then I, I, I moved back to uh, Montgomery, I think, in 2004 and, and taught in the history department for about 15 years. But all the time I was working with the, with the National Center and, and in the library as the archivist. Um, and so... The National Center has really given me a platform to to do a lot of a lot of presentations. You know, um, we we've, we've had again we've had we do symposia. We had we've had major um, uh, conferences. We had a conference on the bus boycott. We had a conference on this on this uh, voting rights campaign. We the sixty five voting rights campaign. We've invited all these folks back, invite academics in, um, people in these different organizations. So, so you know, and then and then you know, then teaching and 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 I guess doing, I get asked to do a lot of documentaries and and so, I, I but I still think we, I still I still feel like I'm not doing the 
best job at, at, at disseminating the history and, and being, you know, an effective, um, and the West African sense, they call them a griot, a real, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 I'm not being as effective as I could because there's still a lot of people, you, you know, just even at Alabama State who, who, who have not, um, who don't understand and have not been exposed to, you know, this, this information and this history. And so we, we just have to redouble our efforts. Okay. And what's next for you? <laughs> what's next? Well, I, I'm, 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 I have a, I have a book at the university of Alabama. I'm doing some rewrites to it. They, they, they got, they got to publish it. Okay. And on, on the 65 student, um, protest, um, I just want to say I appreciate you for taking time to be on the show, and I appreciate all you do um, for our for our community and for all our people, man. Just the knowledge that you spread, and I appreciate what you do. I thank you, man. I thank for the, for the opportunity to talk, and, and you know, you know, hopefully we, we reach people that we wouldn't have been able to reach before, and then they're turned on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also, uh, rest in peace to Dexter King, Martin Luther King's son. He died a couple weeks ago. So rest in right. peace to him and prayers to him and his family, their family and everything. So rest in peace, Dexter King. Yes, sir. My, my, my sentiments exactly. Okay. And Dr. Howard, thank you, thank, thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate you again. Okay. My pleasure. All right. This TNT Sports Podcast, episode number 135. Good morning. You are now tuned into TNT Sports Podcast. With Terrence Bennett. Sports all day, every day. Bring it in now. Let's get it. Get it.